You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Last week we talked about I am the light of the world. We're walking through the I am statements in John's gospel. I am light sounds like it's the perfect metaphor for Christ, right? It's, it's light is timeless. It does not break down. Nothing travels faster than it. It is how we understand the world. We said a, a picture is never larger than its frame until, until it has to be and until it absolutely is. And that's what the Gospel of John does. It brings us into this artful, amazing world where there's this, this abundance of God's presence. And that continues today. Today we talk about I am bread. The scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, verse 35. It's on the screens, it's online, it's also in your Bible. It goes like this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I had the, the great fortune, or maybe misfortune, depending on uh, uh, how you feel about it, uh, to preside at the communion table for a clergy retreat, right? No pressure. When you're leading a retreat for other clergy, the pressure is on. All eyes are on you. Like, they know enough to be dangerous, right? So I'm, I'm presiding at the Holy Communion table. And when you are presiding at the table, you have to get the communion elements, right? Uh, the, the bread and the juice. And we all know that in the New Testament, it is clear that King's Hawaiian bread is supposed to be used as the bread that's on the table, right? And man, post-COVID, all the United Methodist clergy have panicked because there's supply chain issues with the King's Hawaiian bread. Being like, How are we going to have communion when there's no King's Hawaiian bread? Well, I was leading this, um, you know, the things that keep us up at night, uh, and also Welch's Organic Concord grapes, right? That has to be Welch's. Welch was a United Methodist. Did you know that? That's one of the reasons why we use uh, Welch's and because it's delicious. Um, as is King, King's Hawaiian's bread. King's Hawaiian bread. Anyway, I was leading communion and, and I went to the store and behold, there was no King's Hawaiian bread. So I had to settle for pita bread, just like regular pita bread. And a funny thing happens when you, when you approach a congregation. See, when, when you hold up the King's Hawaiian bread for communion, there are People are smiling, and they're just having a moment like, oh my God, Jesus is so delicious. And they're just having this kind of, you know, same liturgy, same word. You hold up pita bread, and there's this kind of like, okay, you know. Mm. It's like, you know, the schedule said it was chicken nugget day in the cafeteria, but it's actually like Salisbury steak day. And like, you'll, st- you'll still eat it, but you're not, you're not happy about it. Like, that's what happens when you hold up pita bread, and the congregation, mm, okay. You know, everybody deserves an off day. Anyway, so <clears throat> we're, we're doing the communion, doing liturgy, and breaking the bread, and they're coming forward. Uh, and as I'm serving, people were leaving with this grimace on their face, just like this foul. And I thought, give me a break. I know it's not Hawaiian bread. Calm down. That's how, how rude. And I'm just serving the thing. And then I look at the table right behind me, and I realize, oh, Lord. I got onion loaf. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that, that revealed three things to me. <laughs> the, the onion loaf revealed three things to me. Um, first, we, and I, and I got the giggles. I just started laughing. Because like, then I started like serving like, I'm so sorry. Like, Christ be with you. I'm so sorry. 
crazy. What are you going to do? Like, you're stuck. You can't, like, oh, let me go to Walmart. You're done. You're done. She's just doing onion bread, and you're just now you're laughing at yourself. It's kind of like a couple weeks ago when our kids came in with the piggy banks, and they were full of quarters. It was like a maraca band came into the sixth grade, and I just couldn't stop laughing. And it reveals these three things. Number one, we take, often we take ourselves way too seriously. The work is serious, but we take ourselves way too seriously, right? Because uh, I was trying to stop, and that's the worst. And you, you know you're taking yourself too seriously when you're when you're having a fit of laughter, but you know you shouldn't be laughing. So, you, you know, it's like you're having a convulsion. Mean, it's just, it's, you know, when you're trying to stop laughing, but you know you shouldn't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that kind of a thing when you're doing. We take ourselves way too seriously. And number two, uh, there, there are some things in the church that we, we like to, that maybe began as something that was informal, that, but we like to like make it really super formal. And communion is one of those things. I'm not saying that Jesus... And the institution of the Lord's Supper was just at a dinner party. I mean, it was Passover, but he was also with his friends. He wasn't in front of thousands of people at the temple leading this. No, he said, hey, guys, guys, this is my body that's broken for you. Like every time you eat, remember me. And, and every time you drink, just, just remember me, right? It's this beautiful, intimate, but we like, we'd like to make it formal. And we have like chalices and like Hawaiian bread and like, all these things we like to make these things formal. And that's not always a really helpful thing. Sometimes that can lead to a lot of arguing. Like, for example, um, you, know, the, um, uh, you know, the Methodist church is like going through a little something right now. What? Are you kidding? Uh, and one of those things is like, what title should we use for God, right? Maybe you've heard that, that like someone was talking about like adjectives for God that has gotten some people in hot water, this kind of thing. Uh, and there's one camp that says we should say our father because that's what Jesus said and God is our father and this kind of thing. They're not wrong. And there's another camp that says, well, you know, I mean, we, can use, we can use mothering language for God because God also created us. And God, and the, you know what? They're not wrong either. Here's the thing. There are some who lean into the gospel of Luke during the Lord's Prayer. In the gospel of Luke, Luke remembers Jesus saying, when you pray, pray this. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah? Pray this. Well, then we flip over to Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, Matthew remembers Jesus saying, when you pray, pray like this, or pray in this way. So not pray this, it says pray like this. So there's some in the church who say, we have to pray this because Jesus said to pray this. And there's some in the church that say, yeah, but Jesus said pray like this. So we're going to pray like this, right? And then like, the, the long and short of that is, if our Bible can contain both of those things, like why do we think our church can't contain both of those things and both of those ideas? You know, the, the, the truth is you take the poles and then you meet in the middle of the tent, right? Because in the middle, well, why, Father? Let's talk about that, right? Well, number one, when Jesus uses language of Father, it's actually a bit of a break from tradition. God as Father, that language is almost exclusively only found in Isaiah. In the entirety of the Old Testament, it is in Isaiah chapter 63 and Isaiah chapter 64. It's also in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which we remember every year in Christmas. For unto us a child is born, wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, but we reserve, we reserve that for Jesus, right? For unto us a child is born, right? God, now, now God, as I am the God of your fathers, that's prevalent. But God as Father 
is really only in two places in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 63 and Isaiah chapter 64. So it's not as prevalent as we might imagine. So when Jesus talks about God as Father, it's actually a bit of a break from tradition. That's interesting. And also, that's the first thing it reveals. The second thing it reveals is that we have a scandalously intimate connection with God. And that really like bothers the Pharisees when, God's, when Jesus says, God is our Father. Sovereign, sure. Almighty God, yes. Lord above all, yes. But Father? And there are sometimes where Jesus used the, the word Abba, which means Daddy. And it's a different kind, it's not, it's not like, but it's more akin to yes, sir, is kind of what Abba, Abba is still a term of endearment, it's a, still a term of obedience, but it is, it's intimate. Jesus saying God is our Father reveals a scandalous intimacy with the divine. And thirdly, when Jesus uses language of Father, he says, my Father, for sure. But when he says Father, he's not meaning to communicate the doctrine of the Trinity because he also says your Father and our Father, right? It is inclusive of all of us. God is the Father of us all. So, uh uh-oh, that's half the sermon. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, no, that's music. Never mind. (laughs) We don't need this. I'm kidding. Sorry, JP. I'll just put that right back there. I don't want JP improvising, so here you go. I just put it right there. <laughs> um, so, what title should we use for God, right? Well, a good starting place is, does the adjective that we claim is of God, is it inclusive and does it communicate an intimate connection with God? That's a really good starting point. Let's start there. Father works great. Mother works great. Is it inclusive and intimate? Because that's what Jesus means when Jesus says, our Father, right? Or we could fight about it. I mean, if you want to fight about it, we have one camp that says, Jesus said, pray this. And we have another camp that says, no, Jesus said, pray like this. We could fight about it if you want. Or we could just say, is it inclusive and intimate? But you know, the Pharisees, they like to fight about these things. And third... The third thing that this reveals is, why does onion loaf exist? I mean, seriously, you can always add onion to whatever you want. You know, spaghetti sauce, hoagies, eggs, whatever. But if it comes preloaded with onion, that cuts out a lot of people from your dinner, right? Why, why onion loaf? You'd think, why is there a market for onion loaf, right? So, my, the things you can learn when you mistakenly serve onion loaf for communion. The real thing is that it's surprising, isn't it? If you're coming up and you're expecting King's Hawaiian bread and you eat onion loaf, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's surprising, right? And so are these I am statements. Now, last week we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And, and on one level, like, we get that. We understand that. Like, it's so divine. It's up there and, and out there. And, I mean, everyone understands that when it's dark, you turn a light on. Like, it's, we get it right? Just a single candle is all you need to dispel the darkness. We get it. But then Jesus hits us with, I'm also bread. I'm not sure you can be as opposite from I am light than than I am bread. Because light is up there, out there, it reveals Jesus' divinity. It's the the boundary of the universe. And, And now Jesus is saying, I am bread. Bread is not natural. Bread is an invention. Bread is a human invention. Bread does not grow on trees. We have to make it. It is labor intensive. 
And, and, I mean, and light is constant. Light is constant. Like, there's a constant speed. I don't know what it is. It's like lots of numbers and I don't... The speed of light, right? The big letter C. Maybe Tom knows this. But the big letter C, right? The constant. It's constant. It's about, but bread, I mean, on a scale from Hawaiian to onion, there are lots of different flavors, varieties, textures. I am... Jesus, what are you getting at? So there's a dissonance there when Jesus now says... I am bread. And the Pharisees picked up on that. When Jesus said, I am light, and he gave, uh, the, he restored the sight of the blind man, what's the first thing the Pharisees did? They complained and they questioned. They said, he healed on the Sabbath. That can't be right. And then Jesus feeds thousands. What do the Pharisees do? <laughs> they complain and they argue. How can he say that he's the bread from heaven? Doesn't he know his scripture? Let's take a look at that, uh, that text. Uh, it's in your Bible, uh, if, if you have one. If you don't have one, there, there's a pew Bible there. Uh, it's also, I know most of you have it memorized, so you don't have to bring your Bible today. That's incredible. Uh, it's John chapter 6, starting with the first verse. John chapter 6, starting with the first verse. You can open up your Bible app or use a pew Bible. We're going to walk through this for just a second. I just want to highlight a couple of things. John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, he was teaching. So after this, after his teachings, uh, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Man, Jesus says that all the time. Pause. I won't pause after every five words, but it says he went to the other side of the sea. Jesus does that a lot. Like he goes to the other side of the city. He goes to the other side of the railroad tracks. He goes to the other side where it's like be home before dark kind of a thing. He goes to the other side of the sea. Okay. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain. That's important. He went up the mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. I'm going to say this carefully. John makes a big deal about sitting, right? Jesus is sitting with the disciples. And later that's going to come back into play. So he goes up a mountain and he sits down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews was near. Also important. We are not just going to experience a potluck, right? Passover, that great tradition of the church that reminds us that God is our God. And that God provides for us. And that because of the blood of the lamb on the, on the post of the door, the angel of death passed over. All of that imagery, all John says is, by the way, the Passover was near. And he's priming the pump for us to remember all of that. Right? Now, the Passover, the festival of the Jews was near. While he, when he looked up, now where is Jesus? Jesus is up the mountain. He went up the mountain with the disciples. He sat down. And he looks up to see a crowd. John is very intentional in his language. And the reason Jesus looks up is because Jesus constantly is taking the posture of a servant. Jesus has to look up at the crowd. Right? That's why Jesus washes feet in the Gospel of John. Because servants notice feet because of their posture. Kings don't notice feet. Our Lord does. He looked up and saw the crowd coming toward him. So Jesus said to Philip, <laughs> where are we to buy bread 
for these people to eat. And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Look, when Jesus asks you a question, chew on it for just a second, think about it. It's kind of like, and I've told this story before, you know, my parents were away one weekend and I had a big party at the house. Uh, And the first thing my mom said when she came in, she goes, how was the party? I'm like scratching my head, I'm like, how? The lesson here is when mama asks a question, mama knows the answer. She's just giving you an opportunity to confess. So choose your words carefully. How was the party, right? How did she know? And she said, son, you don't take the trash out normally. Your father and I come in and every trash can is empty. Isn't that something? Right? So she's not listening. That was was for free. That was for free. (laughs) So where are we going to buy bread for all these people? He asked Philip. And he did this. He did this to test him for he knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them even to get a little. And you know what? He's not wrong. (laughs) Philip is not wrong. Six months wages would not cover enough for 5,000 people. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, well, there's a boy here who brought his lunch, five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? The disciples are working from a place of scarcity. When we are working from a place of scarcity, we think there is not enough. There's just not enough. Yeah, there's, there's fish and loaves here, but what is that for so many people? Friends, if you think you have nothing to offer, then offer that to Jesus and watch what happens, right? I've told this story before too. Uh, several years ago, we were uh, starting a youth band at University Methodist, and I said, every, every instrument can come. Everybody just come and come to practice. Uh, and we had guitar, we had drums, we had uh, several vocalists, we had bass guitar, and we had tuba. And we played, um, Lord, I lift your name on high, right? Lord, I lift your name on high. Womp, 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 womp. Lord, I love to sing your praises, right? Uh, and, and we all knew like it was, it was organic. It was organic. We knew like it wasn't working. His name was Forrest. God bless him. He knew it wasn't working. Uh, but there was feedback in the soundboard. And so he dropped the tube and went behind the soundboard in like magic or maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit. We now, have, we, we now had a sound guy. He found his role. Now, if he had said, I have a tube, but I have nothing to offer. Parumpa pum pum. Yes, you do. Come anyway. Right. It's the one thing, it's a terrible, Little Drummer Boy is a terrible song. It's the worst Christmas song ever written. But it does have an important lesson. First of all, like what mother on the planet says, the child just fell asleep? And then you come in playing the drums? What's wrong with you? Right? I have nothing else to offer. Yeah, you do. Silence. Give me a break. But it does have an important lesson, right? Whatever you, you have, if you think you can't offer anything, give that to Jesus and watch what happens. There's a boy with fish and loaves here, but that's nothing. And what does Jesus say? He goes, tell them to sit down. Just sit. Remember, he was up in the mountain and he was sitting with the disciples. When we are in a moment of scarcity, when we think there's not enough, we are also filled with anxiety and fear. What are we going to do? There are 5,000 people here. We don't have enough. So Jesus says, first thing, sit down. Breathe. Hard to be anxious when you're sitting. And John makes a big deal about, about this. He says, it's grassy. It's beautiful. Have them all sit down. When you're filled with anxiety and fear, notice that you're, you're, you're working from 
a mind of scarcity where you think there's not enough. And the step one to combat that is sit, breathe. Look, friends, I'm reading a book right now. It's called uh, God After Einstein. It's a fantastic book. I'm not smart enough to read it, but I'm giving it an old college try. It's fantastic. And it says, look, with Einstein, we thought the universe was fixed. It was eternal and fixed. But not, not only is that not true, the universe is expanding. And not only that, the universe is expanding more quickly every day. It's increasing in its expansion and it doesn't make any sense. And the author says, of course it doesn't because creation is still happening. We tend to view creation as something that happened in the past that we study instead of, oh my gosh, the universe is still aborning. <laughs> creation is still happening. God is so abundant. We don't need that space. The universe is already too big for us to see the other side of it. How extravagant, how prodigal, how abundantly graceful is God. If you think this fish and loaves is nothing, then give it to me and watch what happens. So sit down, let me bless it, and then I'm going to break it. There's a sermon in there, just that. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to break it. But it will also feed thousands. Even in our brokenness, there is still fruit. And then at the end, Jesus says, now I'm paraphrasing. For those of you who have your finger on the Bible waiting for me to continue, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Jesus then says, gather up all the pieces so that nothing is lost. He didn't say gather up the pieces so that nothing is left over or gather the pieces so that we have doggy bags for later. Gather all the pieces so that nothing is lost. With Jesus, there is abundance. With Jesus, there is peace. And with Jesus, no one is lost. With Jesus, there is abundance. With Jesus, there is peace. And with Jesus, no one is lost. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Jesus then leaves because he recognizes that they want to make him king. Because that's what we do. We like to box it up and institutionalize it. And we say things like, well, that worked. So let's do that for the next thousand years. Jesus recognized that they wanted to make him king. So he left. That's what bread does. Bread is mobile. That's why bread exists. So you can take the hoagie with you, right? It's, it's on the move, right? The minute we, and that's what Jesus says, like, yes, I fed 5,000 people. And guess what? There are 5,000 more people over here. The point is, Yes, to be fed by Christ, but then to feed. Because they found him. They found him the next day. Jesus left saying, you're going to make me king, so I'm out of here. I'm going to go to this next town. They found him. And Jesus said, are you following me because you had lunch yesterday? Don't travel after me for that which is perishable. Invest in what is imperishable eternal. In other words, don't just follow me to get your fill. Be filled so that you might serve. 
That is how things are eternal, is that you are filled and then you share them. That's how that story continues. Fascinated that later Jesus will say, my followers will do things even more remarkable than I. Are you serious? You fed 5,000 people. Well, do you know how many people we have fed through our food pantry? More than that. It's not that we're Jesus, but we continue the work of Jesus. We are filled so that we can fill others, so that we can serve. Be filled so that you can serve. There's abundance, there's peace, nothing is lost. How are we to offer grace in the world? There's a fine line. You know, we like to fight about, you know, call God Father and well, call God like a father and what that means. And we like to do, there's such a fine line between heaven and hell. Have you heard the story that in the afterlife, everyone is giving us, given a spoon that's too long for them to eat with? And hell is everyone trying to feed themselves and they just can't get it done. And then they realize that, oh, I'm meant to feed each other. And then once we feed each other, we're like, oh, we're actually in heaven. We have more than we need, right? In Jesus, there is abundance, there is peace, and no one is lost. Or we can fight about what it all means. If you're following along in the story, uh, Jesus fed 5,000, they find him the next day, and then the Pharisees start to argue and bicker. <laughs> he's saying he's from heaven. He's saying he's the bread from, no, no, no. Moses gave us the bread from heaven. And Jesus says, no, he didn't. God did. God did. And that's an interesting story. Uh, this is the story of, of manna in the wilderness, is it not? Because <clears throat> um, sometimes we say, like, God provides, and, and they got their fill, and all, but there's, there's, there's a little, there's a tension in that story, right? We have to remember that Moses was often hot under the collar, right? You remember when he went up the mountain with the Ten Commandments and he came down and there was a golden calf, right? Moses was not happy. Aaron, what's the deal, man? And Aaron's like, I don't, hey, yo, I don't know. I just put some gold earrings in and like out popped this bull. I don't know. So like Moses like grinds it up into dust and puts it in the water and makes the people drink it. Moses was not happy. So here's Moses. The people are complaining. And in the evening, there was quail all over the floor, all over the ground, right? And that was the source of their meat. And then in the morning, interestingly enough, there was this white flaky substance exactly where all the quail were. I'm just going to let that sit for you for just a second. So they say, uh, what is this? And Moses doesn't say it's bread. He says, this is the bread the Lord has provided you. Imagine you're at a restaurant and you're a jerk. And you just tell, you just you complain and you, you know, the water's not cold enough, but then it's not hot enough. And, just, and then you order a steak, rare, because you are an American. And that's how you're supposed to order your steak. And then... You get a steak. The server gives you the steak and it is well done. And you say, excuse me, what is this? And the server just very politely says, it is the steak the chef has provided you. Jesus distances himself from that manna. He says, your ancestors died, but I am the bread of life. 
feast on me. You will never be hungry again. Why? Why will you never be hungry again? Because Jesus inspires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, to be filled with bread, but also the bread of heaven. And then to share that with one another. No one will ever be hungry if we eat and then share. If we have these spoons, we try to feed ourselves. If we learn how to feed each other, no one will hunger ever again. Feast on me and you will never be hungry again. Why? Because we are perpetually feeding each other. You want to solve world hunger? We can. We just don't want to. The religious leaders, they complain. They fail to recognize the abundance of Christ. They'd rather argue, wait, is he saying he's from heaven? He can't do that. Rather than celebrating that he just fed 5,000 people. Just like last week, Jesus, you healed on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. Never mind celebrating that the guy has sight. Look, friends, if you only have onion bread, use it anyway. I promise you, Jesus will show up. Do not say, well, we can't have communion because we only have onion loaf. That's a mistake. Jesus will show up in the onion loaf as well. Is it ideal? Absolutely not. Is it delicious? Nope. Will Jesus be there? Yes. Yeah, they will. That's the promise. Last week, I asked you to take notice of who you need to see. Right? Who do you need to see? And the example I gave was, this time of year I tend to see my kids' grades before I see them. Which means our discussions are like, why don't you do better? Right? Instead of, what was something that you want to celebrate today? What is something that was difficult today? You know? Well, the ask is similar this week. Um, instead of who do you need to see, who do you need to serve this week? Use my kids as an example. Again, when I'm in the mindset of seeing, my, seeing the grades before them, the solution is be better, do better, right? And look, grades are important. Grades are important. There we go. But they're not everything. They're really not. I know. It's tough for a parent to say that out loud. No one has asked me in a long time what I made in fifth grade ELA. Who do you need to serve? One way that I can serve my children is, hey, I notice you're struggling in English. What can we do about that? Instead of do better. Maybe dad, look in a mirror. Hey, Matt, why don't you do better? How can we, how can we help? That better be Jesus, Bonnie. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. With Jesus, there is abundance. There is peace. And with Jesus, no one is lost. Even if they bring onion bread to communion. My, the things we learn when we make, our, make mistakes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.